Hiya, it's Carol here from Kicking Habits, a weekly show sharing stories, skills and techniques to help you take back control of the habit or addiction in your life. I'm going to be bringing you some fantastic guests to talk about their stories on how they conquered their habits along with some professionals in the field who will bring their knowledge and expertise to the show. Maybe you found yourself here because you're sick and tired of the rinse and repeat cycle of your habit or addiction. Then tune in and take away some nuggets to get you started on your journey to freedom. Enjoy the show. So, why is it so hard to take a break from your drinking or cut back? Lots of people ask me and it's all to do with your brain and the chemistry and the signals and your subconscious brain, the primitive bit of your brain. It's really interesting and this is really what got me through um, the early part of me uh, wanting to take a break. I didn't intend to stop forever. I just intended to take a 30-day break and then see where it led from there. And during that time, I read lots of books, listened to podcasts, joined communities. And I'm a bit geeky around the science part. And that is where I see myself as a coach and an educator. Because I think the more knowledge you have the more choice you have in whatever subject. So for me, I read lots of books and consumed lots of material around alcohol, what it did to our bodies, why we feel a certain way, you know, what hangovers are, what blackouts are, um, why it disturbs our sleep, lots of different things around alcohol. The particular thing I found interesting was um, why I couldn't say no and why willpower didn't work long term. It was really interesting. And it's all to do with um, the parts of our brain that are responsible for different feelings, different emotions. You know, our brain structure works in a sort of coordinated manner, really. The primitive brain, which is the lizard brain, some people call it. There's lots of names for it. That's where our survival mechanism is. It's where our basic emotions are, where our automatic responses come from. It's, you know, you, we talk about the fight or flight or freeze reactions that we get. And the primitive part of our brain isn't rational. It's not rational at all. It just goes on the instincts. And what happens is when we drink and drink on a regular basis for long enough, our brain recognises that we need this substance. 
So whenever I reached for a glass of wine after work to de-stress or relax, I was telling my subconscious that I needed that. That was the only thing it could understand that unwound me at the end of the day. And the longer we do it, you know, that we build our tolerance up too. So we wouldn't, our subconscious just expects it. So when I was getting in from work, even on the way getting into the car, driving, my brain would switch automatically onto the habitual thing of drinking because it's something I'd done for maybe a decade or more. So my brain automatically switched on when I turned the key, put my foot down, off we went home, it would automatically kick into gear and think, ah, and it would recognise that this was the time that Carol had alcohol. And that's what your primitive brain does. It doesn't rationalise. But your prefrontal cortex, which is a logical executive part of your brain, would be saying to me, Carol, why are you thinking about drinking? You promised yourself you wouldn't drink until Friday. Or you promised yourself, you know, you're having a two-week break. And the logical part of my brain would kick in. Uh, and then there'd, there'd be this battle, and we all know it, don't we? We all get this battle where it's called cognitive dissonance, where your subconscious part of your brain, which we wouldn't ordinarily recognise, but it is that primitive part of your brain, would be saying, but Carol, you need that. And it's like a fear-based feeling and emotion because if you drink long enough and enough of it, your brain recognises that it needs that for survival. So the even thought of you not having alcohol um, would be quite scary to your primitive brain because it would be like, oh no, what do we do? No, we need that, we need it. And that's why it's so hard. And then your logical side of your brain is like, um, no, Carol, you promised yourself you wouldn't. You promised yourself you wouldn't. And you try and use willpower. And that's why willpower doesn't work long term. It's because you've got this constant battle and it gets really tedious, really tiring. And that's why moderation for people who sort of use alcohol, as I did, for um, really self-medication to sort of push my feelings down and to de-stress as well and to relax. It's why it's so difficult because, um, you know, our brain tells us that we need it. So there's no shame. There's no shame in that because it isn't your fault you know you're drinking an addictive substance and if you have it on a regular basis your your brain gets used to it it gets brain it gets used to the chemicals that are released um what happens is you know you've got the survival instincts of your primitive brain um and it it, it does lead to irrational thinking and responses because it's just operating on that instinct rather than that, that rational thought. And then the amygdala, amygdala plays a crucial role as well in, in interpreting our emotions, including fear, because our primitive brain will say we need the alcohol because otherwise we're not going to survive. 
um, and the amygdala is um, that sort of activates the fight or flight reaction. It sends signals to other parts of the brain, uh, like the hypothalamus, and triggers the release of stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol. You know, which is all part of the body preparing for action to run away. Uh, so it's all intricately involved. It's it's pretty fascinating, really. It really is. The, the there's also the memory part, which is I found fascinating, is because we we reflect and think on past experiences around alcohol. So for me, growing up, I grew up in the seventies and the early 80s at home and for me alcohol wasn't a big thing at home I never saw my parents drink at home only at Christmas we always had the you know <laughs> drinks cabinet that used to, used to get opened um mum used to have a, a gin and tonic and dad would have a rum and black and I used to my daddy always used to get me some Baileys I like Baileys but the thing was just a little bottle because that stuff's got cream in isn't it and it goes off but I did used to like that and that was the Christmas treat. But Dad was a, a big beer drinker because I come from a mining community, a very small, tight-knit community. And the Working Men's Club was where it was all happening. So Dad would come in from work, from his shift down the pit, and then he'd have his tea and he'd be off to the pub for five, six, seven pints. And he did that most days. At the weekends, he'd be down the pub most days, uh, all day. Um, you know, much to my mum's... <laughs> annoyance but that's how it was that's how I was brought up but alcohol wasn't really a big thing for me uh, I remember mum sneaking me out with £2.50 to the local disco which was held in the pub when I was 15 and I remember you know rocking up at the bar asking what the best drink was uh, you know obviously I was underage <laughs> I didn't look underage then though and uh, cider was was what was recommended to me and and I drank cider for uh, you know quite a few years socially but it was never a big thing for me it wasn't until I um I got married and had the kids where drinking became a big part of my life but that's another story and one I'll share at some point but going back to the um, the memories and the amygdala, um, that instinct to drink will kick in because the memory part of my brain would remember that that was the liquid that chilled me out. That was the thing that de-stressed me because I'd been having that drink and feeling that, oh, thank goodness for that, you know end of the day feeling and your subconscious latches onto that and your primitive brain then realizes that it needs that to feel relaxed and de-stressed or whatever you use alcohol for it might be confidence might be a bit of dutch courage might be to help you sleep might be you know to be intimate with your partner you need a drink there's lots of different reasons we we use alcohol um so it's all it's just a natural part of our brain working, you know? Now, whether it's sugar, whether it's shopping, whether it's gambling, um, that addictive nature, um, which is another point, do we have an addictive nature? Hmm, not sure about that. That's another discussion 
um, we can be predisposed to certain um, behaviours. Um, but there's, up until now, science has not actually um, found an addictive gene per se. It it's it sort of depends on lots of different things really. So the point really is not to beat yourself up. I spent years beating myself up because I couldn't take a break. I felt weak. I felt a waste of space. I just felt, I don't know. Um, oh. It was hard. It was just hard. Uh, I, I, I just didn't feel like I had any, uh, any control whatsoever over alcohol. And if I did try and control it, it was purely willpower. And that certainly doesn't work. So if you're trying to cut back or you're trying to take a break, I would recommend you do what I did, is educate yourself around alcohol and what it does. Go and look for some quitlit, as we call it, in the sober space that I'm in. Listen to some podcasts. Join some communities. I didn't even know that communities existed. All the time I was trying to cut back or take a break, which was you know, at least a decade, if not longer, I didn't realise there was all this information out there. And that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast, because I wanted to give people an opportunity to listen, um, not only to my experiences and the experiences of the people that I interview, but also that there are so many resources out there. So don't beat yourself up. It's the, a natural part of your brain and your experiences and what's happened in the past around alcohol and your subconscious. Um, our subconscious takes in, I'm just trying to think now, it's 11,000 bits of information per second. So, you know... All the information that's around us, our subconscious is taking that in and our brain filters it out, you know, whether it's um, not helpful information, it'll get rid of it. Uh, if it is a helpful information, then it will make sense of it. Um, so me getting in from work and drinking, my subconscious related to that, to de-stressing, chilling out. And... Because I did that on a regular basis over a long period of time, my subconscious learned that the only way I could de-stress and chill was through alcohol. And I taught my brain that without realising it. And you've probably taught your brain that without realising it. And your subconscious is now attached to alcohol to give you whatever benefit you think it's giving you. And it's my job as a coach to unpick those beliefs and those thoughts around mindset and working on being aware, really. And it's all about awareness. And that's where my journey started, was all about awareness and thinking when I was reaching for that glass of wine, you know, what was it? What was I expecting it to do? 
Um, and once we start educating ourselves around alcohol and what it does to our body and the effect it has on our brain and the chemicals that it releases and why we act a certain way. And I'm not talking about physical addiction. I'm talking about emotional addiction here. You know, if there's anybody listening that does have a physical addiction and, and gets tremors and headaches and, um, you know, there's always the... Uh, risk of fitting um, and just if you're blacking out please please go and seek medical advice before you even consider taking a break cutting back but I'm talking about my experiences around emotional drinking drinking to self-medicate really and get rid of the pain and issues as well that I that's when I started when I started drinking I used it in the end to de-stress and chill out but to begin with my journey with alcohol in the early 2000s started um, with pushing down lots of things around an unhappy marriage around um, a son that had um, challenges you know around um, financial strain within our marriage and lots of other things. That's how I started to use alcohol because I didn't want to deal with those emotions. Um, so, yeah, and then it, it, you know, it led on to various other things as it does for lots of other people. So there's no shame if you can't control alcohol. It is addictive. And it's not your fault. So give yourself a break. I'm going to be covering an episode on stop trying to stop, which sounds absolutely crazy. But there's something called the pause where we stop trying to stop drinking and just let ourselves off the hook. And while we're still drinking, educate ourselves around alcohol. And um, yeah, that's something I'll be covering. But hope that's been helpful to understand the workings of you know your primitive brain the prefrontal cortex the logical side the amygdala and the hippocampus and how it all works because that's how god puts together that is how our brain is supposed to work and once we understand the workings of our brain and it's just doing its job. It's just doing what it's supposed to do. And, you know, alcohol gives us that massive dopamine hit. And dopamine is supposed to come from natural things uh, like, you know, exercise and having a good laugh at a film, reading a good book, having a meal out with friends, you know, being intimate with your partner. Those are the natural dopamine hits that we get. But this artificial dopamine hit that we get from alcohol, which is what we get from sugar, from gambling, from, you know, shopping sprees, from whatever we use, that artificial dopamine hit we get in today's society with all the stuff that we've got around us is what our brain latches onto because it likes that feel-good factor. And that is what it wants. And it's like gaming, you know, my son's a massive gamer and he gets that dopamine hit from gaming. 
But I know now, after he's been gaming for probably seven or eight years, he doesn't get that same enjoyment out of it anymore. And that happens with alcohol or with any substance or thing that we use. Um, we get that kick at the beginning. But the more we use it, the more our body depends on it, the more we lose that joy from it. Um, so, yeah, that's me. I'm done. And if you've got any questions, then just drop me a line. Or if you want me to talk about anything in particular, um, you won't be mentioned completely anonymous. I'd be more than happy to do an episode on whatever challenges you've got. So take care and um, see you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. If you've been left with a question from today's episode, then please drop me a line. I love to answer listeners' questions as it adds to the flavour of the show. And of course, it's completely anonymous. All links are in the show notes and I'm looking forward to sharing again next week and helping you to find your path to freedom. It really does take courage to take that first step. But remember, nothing changes if nothing changes.